You're listening to a message from Victory Church of the Bay Area. For more information, please visit us on our website at victoryus.org. Good to see a lot of uh, our folks here today, but also some new faces. Again, we want to welcome you to Victory Church of the Bay Area. And uh, as Carol mentioned, we exist for two reasons. We are here to honor God and make disciples. And we hope that you would uh, encounter... Um, God's love and His touch today, that uh, you would be transformed from the inside out, and uh, th- we hope this won't be your last visit with us. Okay, so we are continuing our series on um, the I Am statements of Jesus. We are actually on week three, and uh, we are going to talk about uh, I Am the Way, the Truth, and the Life. And can we just show the the seven statements of Jesus? Uh, regarding this, uh, the seven I am statements. Um, and we've been looking at this for the last uh, um, two weeks, three weeks, thir- this is the third week. But this is our part two of this series. For those of you who are here who are new, um, we are now on second to the last. And we've done all those, the first, uh, first five. And um, so we're going to be ending the series next week. And um, these are statements of Jesus and wherein he revealed himself uh, for who he is using uh, the term I am, and, uh, and, and it's, it's interesting in the, in the Hebrew, uh, in the Jewish um, mindset, when you, when you say I am, it refers to God himself. And so in, 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 um, and Jesus revealed himself uh, in, in such a way that, that, uh, that helped the believers of, of his time really put their faith in him, and it also helps us to put our faith in him as well, okay? So, could we all stand up and we're going to read from uh, uh, John chapter 14. And uh, my name is Neil Bernardino, for those of you here. I'm going to read from verses 1 through 7, and I'm reading from the English Standard Version. John chapter 14, verse 1. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. And, And you know the way to where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Jesus, for your eternal word. Your word that transforms hearts, your word that uh, changes lives, and um, your, lo- your word that brings life. And Lord, I pray that uh, we would understand what your spirit is teaching us today through this passage, and that we would be open to and willing to obey your word and to embrace the truth that you're putting in our hearts today. We commit to you this sermon, and we ask that your glory would be manifest in the lives of your people as we hear your word today. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may take your seats. That whole passage, basically, we had two, two people talking. The first one was Jesus. He was the one actually saying a lot of those things. And then Thomas, um, you know, engaged him in, in a, in a, with a question. Uh, but what was, what's the context here? So that we will have an understanding of, of uh, what Jesus is saying here. Let's put some context to this. Okay, what's the setting? So Jesus said this during the Last Supper. Okay, now some of you, when they say Last Supper, you... It come, you know, it in your mind it conjures up images of, of that thing that you've seen for you know growing up you know, a picture of the Last Supper, you know. But that actually that picture is not actually accurate as far as uh, as uh, Jesus' time was concerned. It didn't look like that. Okay, 
So, but anyway, we don't have time for that. <clears throat> they were reclining, uh, reclining by the table, and they usually don't have chairs. They just, they just recline by the floor. There are mats there, and then the table was pretty low, and so they reclined. So it's, it's, a, relax, it's a relaxing time for them. So mealtimes um, uh, for, for the Jews during this time are what we would call today chillax time as well. You know, you want to be as comfortable as, as, as much as you can be when you eat. <clears throat> so this is during the Last Supper. And, and Jesus, said, uh, Jesus said, let not your hearts be troubled. Why did he say that? Um, again, let's put some context to it. Um, <clears throat> he said that because of uh, some of the things that he disclosed in the chapter previous to chapter 14, which is chapter 13. And uh, the, the hearts of disciples were troubled. They were a little bit perplexed with some of the things Jesus was saying to them. Because this was the Last Supper. This was before the Garden of Gethsemane where Jesus was going to be arrested. So this was his last night, last supper with them. So Jesus was saying a lot of things to them. And there's such a wealth of, um, of uh, the words of Christ here that the Apostle John... Uh, wrote down for us because he was there, okay? Um, now, the disciples' hearts were troubled because of, because of some of the statements that Jesus made. Uh, and let's look at some of them. And first here it says, <clears throat> he said in verse 21, I think we have that. <clears throat> John 13, verse 21. Let me see if I have it here. Okay, so after saying these things, so basically he said... This is the time that he washed uh, the disciples' feet, you know? Remember that? He washed the disciples' feet, and then uh, he talked about love, and then he, he mentioned that one of them will be betraying him. So in verse 21, after saying these things, Jesus was troubled in spirit and testified, Truly, truly, I say to you, one of you will betray me. So he said this to his disciples. One of you will betray me. Now, you think the disciples were like, okay. No, they were like, who? We're not going to betray you, you know, so far be it from me. And even Peter said, <laughs> Peter said, uh, even declared, I'm, I'm willing to die for you. <clears throat> and then Jesus said, really, you're willing to die? Even t tonight, you will deny me three times. And those are troubling words. And so, and then there's another one, <clears throat> verse 33, when Jesus gave a new commandment, Okay, little children, yet a little while I am with you, you will seek me, and just as I said to the Jews, so now I also say to you, where I am going, you cannot come. So basically he's saying that I am, my time is about up. I am going to leave. And this is the, this, the time also that he said that I'm not going to leave you as orphans. So he was, he was uh, telling, the, telling them that he was going to leave. So... They have gotten used to their group, <clears throat> you know. They've gotten used to them being together, hanging out. Everywhere Jesus went, they were there. Uh, they would share meal together. They would share um, um, life together. Um, they would witness uh, the miracles of Jesus and, and be recipients of his teaching. They have gotten used to that. You know, it's kind of like some of our victory groups. They've gotten used to being with each other. You know, that when, some, when a change comes, they don't like it. How many of us love change? We don't like change, right? Uh, we want to keep things just the way they are. Uh, <clears throat> but here, Jesus introducing a change that's going to take place. So <clears throat> he's telling them that he's about to leave. <clears throat> and as you read the other chapters, you will see it in a full text of what Jesus said to them. And the verse, verses 36 and 30, 37, it says there, Simon Peter said to him, Lord, where are you going? So he's been saying, now I'm leaving. I'm not going to leave his orphans. Um, I'm not going to be with you. For a little while, I'm still with you, but I'm not going to be with you anymore. Where I go, you cannot come. And so Simon Peter, the, the bold one, the one who, the self-proclaimed uh, spokesperson for the disciples, he said, where are you going? Jesus answered him, where I am going, you cannot follow me now. <clears throat> but you will follow me, follow afterward. Okay? Peter said to him, Lord, 
Why can I not follow you now? So you see, Peter was not, and the disciples, they were not understanding what Jesus was saying. Okay, so what Jesus was doing is he was preparing his disciples for what was going to happen. <clears throat> okay, he was breaking it to them gently. Actually, he's, he's already told them what was going to happen. He already told them prior to this that he will suffer. He will be handed over to the religious leaders and he will suffer and he will, he will, he will, be, he will die. But on the third day, he will rise again from the dead. Okay, so he's been saying these things. But how many of you sometimes when, when somebody you love tells you something important, they, those words just go, right? Sometimes you don't really realize the gravity of, the, of such words. And here, where are you going? <clears throat> and so those, those words and a lot of other things there kind of perplexed perplex the disciples and it brought some anxiety probably and, 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 and some trouble in their hearts. And that's why Jesus said in verse 1 of chapter four, fourteen, <clears throat> you know, let not your hearts be troubled. So what was Jesus doing here? Before anything would happen, before the things that, that God had ordained for, uh, for Jesus to do, and the, the time had come, it was that evening that he was going to be arrested. He was preparing his disciples, and the, he was doing two things. First, he was comforting them. Okay, he brought comfort them by saying, don't let your hearts be troubled. And also, he encouraged them not just to, you know, to, to uh, believe in God and believe in, in him also. That's what he said in verse 1. Believe in God and believe in me also. How many of you at times you, even, even when you're with Jesus, your heart, is, you feel tr troubled in your heart at times? Are we, are we there at times? We experience that uh, quite a, you know, uh, uh, you know uh, a lot of times. But here's what Jesus said. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God and believe in me. Okay? I got this, you know. <laughs> believe in God, believe in me. <clears throat> so he was comforting them, but he was also assuring that after everything that's going to happen, this is what's going to happen le much later on. <clears throat> and here in verses 2 and 3, uh, Here's what Jesus said. In my father's house <clears throat> are many rooms. <clears throat> if it were not so, would, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? So, <clears throat> how many of you heard this verse before? In my father's house are many rooms. How many of you, when you think about it, how many of you are imagining mansions up in heaven? Have you thought about that? How many of you have heard that? That there are mansions up in heaven. <clears throat> okay, do you, know, do you know where we got that? That, that idea that there, we will have mansions in heaven? Do you know where we got that? The Old Testament <clears throat> was written in Hebrew. Okay? And the New Testament was written in Greek. <clears throat> and here... <clears throat> sorry... <clears throat> The, uh, <clears throat> the Latin translation of, of, uh, of the New Testament, the Vulgate, basically, are, uh, it was translated into Latin, and the word that was used for rooms here, do we have this? There you go, for rooms, is the Latin word mansiones, okay? where we derive the English word mansion. And so today, a lot of people think, thank you. Um, a lot of people think that uh, God has mansions for each of us there in heaven. Okay, but a lot of Bible commentators say that was an unfortunate translation because the word, the, the, the Greek word used here was not, did not is not signifying mansion whatsoever. It just says it just speaks of a space for you, that you have a place. 
And when we think about the house of God, we think in terms of ways that we can understand, right? And when we think of God's house, it must be big. But we think of God's house as if it was an earthly house. We think that it's, you know, it's something that we can imagine. How many of you that with, with God, you know, there are things that, uh, you know, it goes beyond what you can imagine. It's just the majesty of who God is. But God speaks to us in ways that we can understand and we, by Jesus, speaks uh, a lot in metaphors. So that we, he can, we can have a, an, a finite understanding of what is, be, what is a depiction of, of, of uh, the things God is saying. So that we can have a handle on it. Do you, do you understand this? Okay, so, so here, this is where a lot, of the, a lot of people, especially prosperity preachers, tell you, you have all mansions up in heaven. But the point of what Jesus is saying is, the, is this. It's not about the mansion. A lot of us are focused on the, on the mansion, which is actually a, they say it's an unfortunate uh, mistranslation. The point of Jesus here is this to his disciples. You have a slot there. You have a, a place there for you, and I'm reserving that place for you. The house of God is something beyond what we can imagine. So it's going to be glorious. Okay? And, and when we talk about the Father's house, it's a place where the Father rules. He is the head of that house. He's the one who provides. Just like what Carol said a while ago. Daddy, Abba. Daddy provides. Right? Daddy provides. So the Father provides there, and he makes sure that everyone is taken care of. And when God takes care of you, it's not a meager taking care of thing. He really takes care of you beyond what you can think or imagine. I mean, there's no one who can take care of each one of us better than God. Right? So my... The, what I'm trying to say here is this. Let's look at what, what Jesus is really saying and not what has been fed to us. Now, is that, does that mean that we're not going to have any, any big thing there? Like I said, when you talk about the house of God, we can't think of it in, in, in earthly terms or in earthly pictures. Because that when you talk about the house of God, when you talk about the temple of God, it's actually the entire, the entire universe. The entire universe, the cosmic temple of God is the universe. You get what I'm saying here? I mean, it's, it's beyond our comprehension. But God is bringing it down to a point where we can understand. So the point of Jesus here is this. You have a place that I am preparing for you. It's kind of like kids moving, to, you know, your family's moving to a new home. And now you have your own room. How do you like that? <laughs> And so here, Jesus saying that, um, I just want to say those things to get that out of the way because a lot of people, when they read this passage, they think about what they're going to get, you know, what the dimension that they're going to get. The point is that you have a place there with God in the Father's house. You have a slot in the Father's house. Like Carol and, uh, and Carrie and Chari and, and Janine. See, they're all C except for Janine. <laughs> <coughs> so they're moving to their new place. It's a, it's a bigger place for, for, for them. It's, they have their rooms and all. So here you get to have your own place. Okay? Um, I don't know how, what it is, but... Jesus says you have your own place. He has a place for the disciples. Let's focus in here. So again, what I want to focus here more is on the Father's house, not the mansion that you'll get, okay? Can we set, at least uh, agree on that? It's the Father's house, and we'll get back to that later. 
Now, G Jesus here says this, I am preparing a place for you. So he's giving them assurance of what they will receive in the Father's house. And he is also assuring them that he will return and be with them forever. But there's something that the disciples are not getting in that Jesus will do in the meantime. That's why Jesus said, what I'm, where I'm going, you cannot go with me now. Because it's only a mission that, it's a mission that only Jesus can accomplish. Right? It's a mission only Jesus can accomplish. It's his mission. And that is, again, the redemption of mankind, of humanity. And here, Jesus said, after describing what they're going to do, assuring them of what they're going to receive, you're, you're going to have a place in, the father, in my Father's house. He has many rooms, and I'm going to prepare a place for each of you. You know the way. You know the way, Jesus said. You know the way to where I'm going. You know where, you know, my Father's house. You know the way. The disciples like, Peter said, Lord, where are you going? And then Thomas said, Lord, we do not know where you're going. So how can we know the way? <laughs> and here Jesus said, I am the way. The truth and the life. And then he says, no one comes to the Father except through me. Now he mentioned the Father's house. And then he mentions the Father. I hope you're seeing the thread here. <laughs> no one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do know him. And have seen him. So after saying these things, Jesus said, You know the way where I'm going, John, verse 4. Okay? You know the way where I'm going. And Thomas asked him, Where are you going, Lord? We don't know the way if we don't know where you're going. This statement of Jesus in verse 6 I am the way, the truth, and the life. Have, you've heard this before, right? This is a classic statement of Jesus that has three implications, okay? Um, it is a, a classic statement uh, that, is, uh, that highlights the significance of, of his salvation for people. But here are three, a couple of things. It's a, it's a claim. First and foremost, eliminates any notion of syncretism, universalism, or whatnot. What does that mean? It means this. How many of you have heard of people saying all religions lead to the same God? All kinds of faith will lead to the same God. Have you heard that? And when people believe that, they say, so it doesn't matter what faith you have, it will lead to God anyway, so pick and choose. Right? And people would justify saying, you know, as long as you're sincere in your, in your religion or in your faith or in your beliefs, it will lead to the same God. Now, Rabbi Zacharias, a man which is like a million times smarter than I am, said this, for you to make such an assertion that all religions lead to the same God that means you must have seen all the roads, all the religions from a, from a high vantage point that you are able to conclude, you know, you can uh, we, we, we definitely, con de definitively conclude that everything leads to the same God. And you must possess that kind of knowledge that is transcendent. That transcends the natural for you to be able to see that. That's why people who make such claims are just parroting what they've heard or they're deluded into thinking that everything leads to the same thing. But here, this statement here, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father 
except through me. So basically what he's saying, I am the only way to God. If there's another way to God, if there's another way to be reconciled to God or, you know, to be with God in heaven, then there's no need for Jesus really to die, to become a man and to die on the cross for us, right? We're applying logic here. If there's another way, if, if your religiosity can save you, will there be a need for Jesus to die on that cross? If you can save yourselves by just being good, by being a good person, there is no need for Jesus to die on the cross. Are you tracking with me? But the fact that Jesus died on the cross tells you what? There was no other way. So Jesus' statement here is actually a claim that eliminates, uh, that, that debunks that thinking that all religions lead to the same God. Because what Jesus is saying is, in reality, they do not. There's only one way. I am the way. You want to get to the Father? It's through me. By faith in me and what I say, I set the terms. And if you want to go to him, you come to terms with me. Are you understanding this? So it's not your goodness. It's not your religiosity. It's not your piety. It's not your religious affiliation that will bring you to, to, the, to the Father. It's not your good works. It's Jesus. Faith in Jesus. Okay? That's why Christianity is unique. All the other leaders of the different religions claim they know the way. They know a way. Or claim they know the way. But here Jesus doesn't say, follow me, I know the way. He doesn't say that. He says, follow me, because I am the way. You want to get to the Father, you have to be with me. Make sense? So here, Jesus says, there's only one true way. True, well, there's only one true faith. And some people would violently react, especially in today's politically correct and you know, culture. That is so insensitive of you to say. That offends me. <laughs> of course, the gospel offends. It convicts and it should offend. Not in an arrogant and brash way, but in a way that will cause you to be provoked to consider if where you're standing is the real thing. Jesus said, no one comes to the Father except through me. Let's look at his statement. I am the way. <clears throat> Let's break it those three elements there in that statement. I am the way, the truth, and the light. Let's look at the first one. I am the way. <clears throat> Jesus said, in verse 4, you know the way. Thomas said, no, we, we don't know the way. We don't know where you're going, so we don't know the way. And Jesus, when he spoke about the word, when, when, he, when he said no, I'm speaking, of course, this is the English translation of what he said. Uh, this was written in Greek. He probably said it in Aramaic. Okay? So, um, but the Greek word that was used there, or the word know, you know the way, means to be aware or to behold. Okay, and it, it implies experience rather than intuition or theoretical knowledge. In other words, it's something that you experience when you say no. That's why in the Bible, sometimes when, when a physical union between a man and a woman is described, it doesn't say, and they had, okay, they didn't say they made love. They, um, there are some, some minors here. So, 
But the Bible says, and Adam knew Eve. And they understood when, they, when it says Adam knew Eve, that means they came together in the marriage union. Okay, they, they, they had sex together. That's what it, that's what it is. But when the word know means it, it connotes the idea of having a relationship. Oh, I know that person. Okay? So, I know of you. I've heard of you, but it's only up to that level. And then I look at Joel. I know Joel. I've known him for three decades now. Okay? So, and we're, we've been friends for three decades. We have a relationship. We have a shared life. And when, when Jesus said, you know the way. You know the way because you know me. We have a relationship together. Because you know me, then you know the way. Because I am the way. If you're with me, you will never get lost. If you have a relationship with Jesus, you will never get lost. And if you keep following him, and you build that relationship with him, get to know him more, you will not be lost. So this word implies that the way to know the Father is to know and behold. Again, the word know literally means to be aware and to behold. So the way to the Father, the way to know the Father is to behold, okay, to behold and to know the person of Jesus Christ. And maybe you can ask, where am I going? Where, so if we're following you, where am I going then? Where, where is my destination? Many people not only lack direction, how many, how many people don't know where they're, where they're going? How many of you are still trying to find your direction in life? You're looking for your place in this world. You're looking for your purpose. Follow Jesus. You'll find it. Many people today not only lack direction, but they don't really know where to start. That's why we have a lot of psychics. We have a lot of, you know, um, tarot card readers and fortune tellers. We rely on horoscope. Did you get that? Horoscope? <laughs> I mean... Do you really, I mean, with all the intricacies of the universe and how you're made, do you really, are you really going to put your faith, your faith, your uh, life and trust in something that is not absolute? How many signs of the horoscope are there? Twelve, right? Did you know that there's another one, a new one? There's a new one, right? Have you heard that? So now it messed up everything. What? I was a Sagittarius. Now I'm, I'm, a, I'm, I'm a Taurus? Oh no, I've been following this for, for 25 years. I didn't know I'm a Taurus. But I lived as a Sagittarius. No wonder my life was a, is a mess. <laughs> because they introduced a new horoscope sign. I mean, maybe in 20 years, they're going to introduce another one. It's going to mess everything up. You can't put your faith, your life, you can't bet your life on those things. John Dyer said this, A person may go to heaven without health, without riches, without honors, without learning, without friends. But he can never go there without Christ. What, what are riches, health, honor, learning, and friends compared to Christ? These are nothing. Many times we're pursuing the wrong thing. So the way is not a recipe. It's not a formula. The way to, to the Father is not uh, a program. It is a person that we are supposed to know. Secondly, Jesus said, I am the truth. Truth here, the word truth is in the Greek is aletheia. Uh, and uh, this word means conformity to reality or actuality. Conformity to what is real. Okay? 
often with the implication of dependability. That means when you talk about truth, it's the real thing, but it's, and because it's, it's the real, it's the truth, you can depend on it. In our terms today, you can bet your life on it. You can put your faith in that thing because it's the truth. And the truth never changes. Lies change. The truth never changes. Right? So you need to put your faith, uh, put your faith and, and build your life around truth, not on fabricated lies. A lot of people today build their lives on humanistic philosophy, which changes. A lot of people define their lives based on culture. Guess what? Cultures change. There are always shifts in culture. Again, aletheia means conformity to reality. And here, Jesus is the true reality. He is the truth about everything. You know, there, the, the, the Greeks had a concept for the reason for all things, why things exist. Okay, there, now again, the Greeks had a pantheon of gods, but there must be a wisdom behind all things because they could not, they could not uh, you know, really describe it, but they could, but they could uh, experience it. They could see the consistency of the wisdom of creation, in creation and how, how we are made, how we are made with systems that function. You know, we're not just blobs. We're not, you know, we're not just cells or a blob of tissue, right? We have systems here. How many of you have reproductive systems, respiratory systems? Okay, we have those systems here. And that, I mean... Chance cannot bring that about. There must be a wisdom behind all things that, that all things work. And they try to, you know, they're philosophers. They try to, you know, uh, really learn this. And they came up with a word for this wisdom. And they called it logos. Okay. There is a wisdom behind all things, an original cause, the reason for all things, the reason for everything. They called it logos, the Greek word logos. If anything is in dispute, they believe that the original and absolute wisdom, the logos, has the final say. <clears throat> the logos has the final say when things need to be uh, resolved. Okay? Logos. Has the final, and so it's interesting. How many of you love biology? Some of you are cringing right now. Biology, you're traumatized again. Oh no, I heard that word again. Biology. See, biology is a combination of two words: bios, which is natural life, and logos, the study of life, natural life, right? But actually, it's this. The final word on life. Logos is the final word for all things. If it's biology, it's the final word on biology. That settles it. Okay? Theology, the final word on things about God. What else? What other ologies do you have? I'm sorry? Zoology, physiology, psychology. Some of you are saying cosmetology. <laughs> but again, you look at those things. Look at the word logos. Reason. It's the reason behind, the wisdom behind all things, the truth behind everything. And Jesus said, I am the The word truth is aletheia, but in John chapter 1, it's interesting. Look at this. It, I, I think we have that, right? John chapter 1, verse 3. <clears throat> Well, verse 1. Let's look at verse 1. In the beginning was the Word. And do you know the Word? This one word? Everybody say Word. In the beginning was the Word. The Greek word for that, that was translated to the English word, is Logos. 
in the beginning is the wisdom of all things. The reason for all things. The, you know, the, the, the truth of everything. In the beginning, in this Logos, is not just an, an ethereal concept. It is a person. In the beginning was the Word, the Logos. Word, the Logos, was with God. And the Word, the Logos, was God. And in verse 14, let's jump to verse 14. It says there, John said, And the Word, the Logos, the reason for all things, became flesh and made His dwelling among us. That's why another scripture we find in, in, in the New Testament, we see, you know, we are for, for in him and through him or for, for, and, and to him are all things. All things are created by him, for him, and through him. In him, in, the, in Christ, who is the Logos, all things hold together. He is the one who holds things together in this universe. In all creation. The Logos was in the beginning. In the, in the creation. He was with God. He, is, he was God. And this Logos became flesh. Who is this Logos? It's the Son of God. Who was incarnated as, a, as, as, as man. As Jesus. Jesus is the Logos. The reason behind everything. John 1, verse 3. Let's look at that. Verse 3. All things. The next verse. The next slide. All things were made through Him, the Logos. And without Him was not anything made that was made. Colossians 1, 16. For by Him, Jesus, who is the Logos, for by Him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions, or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. That's why I love Jesus, because all the religions and their leaders, they say they know the way. <laughs> Only Jesus had the audacity to say, I am the way. So either he's a, he's a liar, a lunatic, or he is indeed the Lord of all. And his death and his resurrection proved beyond any shadow of doubt that he is indeed the Lord of all. The Logos. The reason for everything. The one who holds all things together. And what does that tell us? If he can hold the entire universe, can he take care of your life? Some of you are like, shh. Let me say that again. If he can take care of the entire universe, if he can hold all things together, can he take care of your lives? Then why not trust him? Why not put your full faith in him? Why, if that's the, the reality, why compromise? Why do we still insist on Things that we want. If He is the reason for all things, then why do we insist on our own definitions of things and expect Him to bless us? There's a disconnect there, right? That's why it requires faith. I'm not mad at you, okay? I'm just... Being passionate about this topic. Tell the person next to you, he's not mad at you. He's not mad. So when Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, what he's actually saying is this. Get this. Since he is the Logos, and he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, he says, I have the final word or the final say on all things. Jesus settles everything. I have the final word. I made everything, <laughs> basically. He created all things. 
who can explain this device to me the best? It's the one who made it, right? Right? Jesus is the truth about, of everything, behind everything. He is the truth about the Father. John 14, 9 and 10 says, this, Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. Don't you, don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? He is the truth about the Father. You want to know the Father? You have to know Jesus. The Bible says in Hebrews, He is the exact representation of God, of the image of God. He is also the truth about man. Okay? He is the truth about humanity. He is the truth about you and I. For in him we see what we are not. We define our lives, but when we juxtapose our lives on his life, his word, and his truth, we will see a difference there because he is the standard. He is the one who defines us. Through him, we see what sin has done in us, what sin has done to us, and what sin has done through us. The good news is this. Jesus Christ came to deal with our sins so we may receive his righteousness. Jesus is the truth about the way we live. He actually has the final say on all things. That's basically what I'm saying here. So we must live in and reflect the truth if we are in Christ. Truth means that we are in Christ. And if we are in Him, we are in His truth. We are to live out His truth. That means we are truthful in our entire being. We are truthful in our words, in our thoughts, in our relationships. The Bible says in Psalm 51.6, Behold, you delight in truth in the inner parts. Jesus is the way to the Father, and that is the truth. And lastly, he said, I am the life. This word life is the Greek word zoe. Okay, Everybody say zoe. But we call it zoe. You know, for, for a name, if we want to name someone, Zoe. And the word Zoe, it's, it's, it means life, but it's not. There's another Greek word for life. Bios is another word for life. Bios is natural life. Zoe is the very life of God. That is different from, 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 from Bios. It is the very life of God that, that is eternal. So many people today, they exist, but they're not living. They have natural life, but they don't have the Zoe life. Do you realize that when God created humanity, He created us to have the Zoe life? He breathed His he, he breathed on us and then we became human beings, living beings. We were made in His image and we are to live His life that He imparted to us. But sin marred all of that. How many of you remember Braveheart? He said, all men die but not all men really live. And we can live when we have the Zoe life of God. Can you see a person <clears throat> who's depressed and everything? He has everything and yet he is so empty inside. And then you see this person who has troubles. He does not have everything. And yet he has peace. He has a great countenance. And he has strength. He overcomes the challenges. And then he helps others. There's something about this person that is, that's so different from us. There's a, a, a life about him that is beyond, beyond our, our, our comprehension. What could that be? Have you seen that in people? Have you seen that in, in those who call themselves Christians or believers? 
That's been the testimony of people when they saw the changes in my life. When I, when I put my faith in Christ, I did not change myself. Jesus changed me. And then my friends started saying, you changed. And there's something different about you. And you know, what they, you know what it is? It's Jesus that they see. It's the life, the Zoe life that they're seeing. I saw that in the person who, who helped, helped lead me to the Lord. I saw that in her. And then she introduced me to Joel. And Joel shared the gospel to me. And I saw that in Joel as well. And so I gave my life to the Lord. So as we wind this down, John 1 John 5.11 says this, and this is the testimony. God has given us eternal life, and this life, Zoe, is in his son. You want to have the, 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 the very life of God? It is only in his son. In a, as we, he is the, the, the life giver. Only Jesus gives Zoe life. As we end here, you know, going back to what Jesus said. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. But how, why did he say that? He was describing the Father's house, wasn't he? Didn't he? Wasn't he describing the Father's house? In my Father's house, there are many rooms, and I'm going to prepare a place for you. And I'm coming back for you to catch you. You'll be in those rooms. In your own rooms. God's definition of room is different from our definition of room, right? And then here he says, you know the way where I'm going. You know the Father. Here's the thing. whole point of what Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, is this. It's all about relationship with God. It is in the context of the Father's house and knowing the Father. If you know the Father, you'll be in His house. Come on now. You'll be in His house. The Bible says, John said, to those who put their faith in Christ, He gave them the right to become children of God. He is our Father. Jesus preparing rooms for us, for believers in the Father's house, Signifies that we as believers have become part of God's family. No one comes to the Father except by me. If you had known me, you would have known the Father. See, you're going to the Father's house. And if you've known me, you've known the Father. And if you know the Father, you will be in the Father's house. And here, John 17, I'd like to end here. Can we all stand here? <clears throat> John 17, verse 3. Now this is eternal life. Some of the words we've been talking about here, life, okay, father, no, look at this, Jesus said in John 17, 3, now this is eternal life, that they know you, this is Jesus praying, this is eternal life, that they know you, father, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Look at that. This is what eternal life is all about. It's all about knowing God and Jesus Christ. That's the this is eternal life. Getting to heaven or getting to the kingdom of God is just the bonus. The real gem in this deal is knowing who God the Father is and knowing Jesus and, and then we do we, and, and the Spirit, the Holy Spirit enables us to be in that place where we can know them where we can know the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit we can know who God is that's where we boast that's why Paul said I don't care about my previous achievements I boast only one thing that I may know Christ and Him crucified that I may know him in the power of his resurrection. See the language. See the wording of Paul. It's all in relational terms. And it's all about relationship. I am the way, the truth, and the life. When G if you're a lost person today and Jesus is telling you, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And he's extending his hand. What he's saying to you is, 
get to know get to know me and you will have life he's offering relationship and he made that relationship possible by dying on that cross so as we end here I'd like to leave you with this point to know Christ is to be assured of, of one's place in the father's house that means we have relationship with the father we are of his family we are his sons and daughters we have a relationship with him and we know the way we have a relationship with the way because the way is a person the second person of the holy trinity jesus christ the son of god how many of us can say we know god how many of us desire to know god more do you have that desire to know him more i want to know him more i've been serving him for 30 years now almost 30 years and I still want to know Him more. There's so much, to, there's so much about God that it's exciting to get to know who He is. And so, if I were you, you only have one life. YOLO. Don't waste it on trivial pursuits. Don't waste it on material pursuits. Don't waste it on things that man has defined. Live your life according to the pattern of Jesus, according to Jesus' will. And if you do so, you will live the, li the very life the, for the very reason why you were created. And there's nothing like living the life for which you were created for. Oh, my goodness. You want that? Let's pray. Lift up your hand if you want, if you want that for your life. You want Jesus. You want to be in the Father's house. You want, you want a relationship with the Father. You want to get to know Him more. Lift up. Lord, we want to know You more. And we thank You that You've opened the door of relationship with us. Lord, You made it possible through the sacrifice of Your Son. That through His sacrifice, there is, there's, there's payment for the penalty of our sins. And there's forgiveness. There's atonement for our sins. There's justification. And now we can enter in and have a relationship with you as washed and made white as snow. Blameless before you, we can enjoy a relationship with you. Lord, help us, Lord, who are struggling. Lord, help those of us, Lord, who are still longing for the things of this world. When Lord, open their eyes and let them see that they're pursuing filth. Help them to, to open, open their eyes so that they will pursue you. And Lord, help all of us here to have a pure heart that we would know you. That we would be able to say together with Paul, I consider all things rubbish compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Jesus, my Lord. I pray that we would have that same passion. And, and as we come to know you, that is when we will experience what real life is all about. It is only when we know you that we will live what the Zoe life is all about. And Lord, Lord, help us break through our barriers. <clears throat> if you have any hindrances to your relationship with God right now, just lift up your hand. I want to pray for you. <clears throat> Father, I pray for these people who are lifting up their hands whatever is hindering them, whatever is distracting them, whatever is pulling them away, <clears throat> it may be something nice, something good. But it's, Lord, but if it's pulling them away, I pray that you would grant them the grace and the wisdom to realize that they need to turn away from those things. And I pray that you would break those things as well. Break the whole of those things in their hearts, and in their minds, and in their lives. And I pray that you would raise up a people who know you, whom you know <clears throat> father here we are lord we say have your way in our lives we want to know you we want to know more of your love so that we can tell the world of your love we thank you lord today we receive by faith your love we receive your favor we receive your assurance and your comfort. <clears throat>
As we put our faith in you, we know that we are safe in your hands. We are secure in you and we will be significant for your glory and honor. But Lord, today we say we surrender all to you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now before we dismiss, if you need more prayers, please approach any of our Victor Group leaders who will be standing on that middle aisle. Any kind of prayer that you need, please approach them. We will be glad to pray for you. Amen. God bless everybody. We're dismissed. Have a great week and see you next Sunday.